Alright, well, welcome you guys back to the channel, and before we get into all the news and updates, I did just want to give a quick shout out to Riley, uh, it was his birthday this past week, he turned 22, um, just really great guy to be with and start this channel with, um, and just so you guys know, he is our primary audio engineer for this channel, and just grateful for all he does and the hard work he puts into um, making it what it is, so... And with that being said, I will actually hand it off to you for the uh, first item on today's list. Yeah, thanks a lot, man. I really appreciate that. Um, I actually had a really good time with some friends and family, and uh, it was just a good opportunity to hang out uh, with some people I had seen for a while. So um, we're going to actually go ahead and get started off here today uh, with some information from CNET about Sony's Link Buds and WF-1000XM4 earbuds. Uh, for the longest time, we've always had an issue with Headphones, especially nowadays, um, headphones not having multi-point uh, Bluetooth pairing where you can have your headphones uh, connected to both your laptop and your phone or even three devices at, um, at that point. Um, and Sony has had uh, many headphones, especially these two that I just mentioned that haven't had multi-point Bluetooth pairing before. Um, but now we've got some information that uh, this November actually... Um, they're going to release a firmware upgrade that is going to add those multi-point um, pairings uh, to these two headphones. Again, that's the Link Buds and the WF-1000XM4s. Um, and also to add to that, the Link Buds S are now going to come in earth blue. And this is going to be partially made of recycled plastic bottles. Uh, the design is actually quite nice. It's um, very almost smooth. It's almost like... Um, sort of Van Gogh-esque uh, type of design. Uh, it looks really, a, a, it has a really nice tone to it. I don't know how you feel about that, JD, but I actually really like these. I was thinking they actually kind of remind me of um, something I saw out of the original Star Trek series. So, <laughs> but I'm, well, uh, I never maybe, watched Star Trek, so. Maybe maybe that's just the, the lighting. I'm not really entirely sure. Could so. be. They almost are also kind of space-like, so I can see where you might see that. Yeah, no, and I, I'm I'm excited about that because um, not many headphones have that, and I feel like a lot of that has been limited to the ecosystems that you're in, so Google or Samsung or Apple mm -hmm. typically have that because you can switch between, well, with Apple, you could switch between your Mac, yeah. your iPhone, or whatever, and yep. it's just, you know, there's, there's a flawless connection between their various devices that you have. So to have that come in on a third-party um pair of headphones is pretty great to see yeah absolutely yeah so with that we'll move on to google and more news about the pixel 7 so they are actually expected to make even more improvements to photography uh which i hmm. know that's kind of hard to imagine um i know but yeah with <laughs> yeah with the uh with the digital image processor via a software update uh in about a month or so yeah it's expected to improve the photography and such they didn't really say anything in detail um, but I'm, I don't know if I'm excited as so much surprised to actually see them go even one step further. So, yeah, I'm kind of, um, on both of those tracks right there. Cause at one point we've already seen Samsung 
I would say go above and beyond what they've already had and make a camera that's just one step uh, further in technology development. And it's it's great to see, especially when we talked about the uh, the Pixel Ultra that um, is supposedly coming on year year or two to come. Uh, I mean, they they just keep pushing forward and more and more. And it, I kind of think about the fact that uh, when we talked about last week about the uh, those uh, standards, the ratings yeah. on that one site, uh, it almost makes me think that uh, maybe Google saw that and was like, "No, oh, we should maybe make this even better so we can get that number one rating and get in that top slot again. <laughs> but Yeah, actually, I, I thought about that in the beginning too. And then when I read further on the article, um, it was actually an employee of Google's Silicon team um, that kind of described the significant advancements that they can make. And part of it was is that was there was so much emphasis on the Tensor G2 that they didn't you know have enough time to develop um, the yeah, DSP okay. to, to to the point where they wanted to, and that's why they're coming out with a software upgrade. Gotcha. Uh, or feature drop is what Google calls it. <clears throat> but yeah, just uh, be looking out for that if you guys have a Pixel Seven. Be looking out for that for it's about to drop in about a month or so. Yeah, absolutely. Can't wait to see how uh, Google really improves that because they've already done quite a bit. Um, and yeah, then moving sure. along here, we've got uh, Sony Xperia 1V and the V5 face massive redesigns due to outsized camera equipment and record-breaking sound system. So um, we actually talked about the Sony Xperia, I think it was yep. a few episodes ago. And um, we had mentioned how the phone was released, and there were actually really a lot of great features for the price that it was given. It was It was good. It wasn't the best. Um, you know, I think the chip itself wasn't exactly up to par with the pricing necessarily, um, but it was okay. And the reason why we said it was okay was because the camera itself, even though it was a Sony camera, which you would expect, you would have to expect it to be, you know, really good, right? There were a lot of people who mentioned, and especially in in the comments in this article, which by the way, notebookcheck.com or .net, we'll leave the link in the description. Um, a lot of them are just saying how bad this camera really was. Obviously, it's really good in lighting, but when you just get to those um, dark modes and stuff like that, it just does not work the way that we had hoped Sony would make it work. Um, but now we've got information that they're going to um, boost this these cameras in their next um, versions here, um, and they will also be making their own speakers, the loudest speakers in the world. The next generation experience and that's incredible right there i mean to have that number one list i mean it's not like a huge thing it's like you know i think that's like third importance or maybe even outside of that sixth importance to me um but at least you have that so we'll see how that works um i don't know how you feel about this jd but i'm kind of excited hopefully they make some bigger strides than they had previously uh yeah i mean we we like we said we, we looked at that a while a while back um on this channel and mm -hmm. it, i think it's it's impressive to see that they're kind of making those changes and i welcome them um personally i, I just kind of feel like their their biggest downfall is uh just that camera user interface i think that's something they really need to work on yeah um that too but but other than that i mean it's, it's good to see them kind of recognize where they need to improve and i feel like that definitely looks like a large enough sensor but um, <laughs> yeah, agreed. <laughs> but uh, you know, as far as the sounds, the, the the speakers that that's that's good to hear as well. Um, making advancements. Um, uh, but with that being said, we will actually move on to an international model. This is going to be the Honor Magic Five Prestige Edition. 
this one is actually expected to pack a Snapdragon 8th Gen 2 with 100 watt charging, AMOLED LTPO screen, IP68 rating, and then kind of going back to Sony, it'll have an IMX989. Hmm. Uh, price is going to be around $1,100 um, in, in U.S. currency, but it seems like it's a pretty decent phone with some decent specs. You're going to have a 6.78-inch uh, screen that will have its variable refresh rate up to 120 hertz, built-in fingerprint scanner, um, just a lot of decent goodies that you can get out of that model. Uh, I'm not really sure if you follow Honor at all. No, I actually don't. I, I kind of follow Xiaomi every once in a while, um, but I've actually never heard of Honor. Um, it, it looks like it's actually a pretty good phone. Obviously, there, there's some things that they could improve on. Like a lot of phones that are that price would normally have maybe two, 3,000 nits of brightness. That 1,100 is kind of like a bit of a downfall right there because it says it's up to 1,100 nits, so... Um, it's a minor thing, honestly, but, uh, everything else looks actually pretty good. Um, battery life is that 5,000, um, milliamp per hour, milliamp hours, uh, 66 watt charging, that kind of stuff like you mentioned. So yeah, I'd say this pretty looks good. And actually that back, um, I know I always, I always come to the back for these types of phones that I've never really seen, but people internationally, they seem to really outdo how you normally see phones, uh, especially in America. But, um, that one kind of just looks almost like a basic camera lens that you, you know, find like a Canon or a, um, oh, Nikon or whatever. Saying, yeah. Yeah. So that looks pretty cool right there. So, yeah, I, I think it's, um, it kind of reminds me cause when you look at this and we'll obviously have this in the description below so you guys can see this, but when you look at this, it kind of gives me that thought of when you look at like a fly's eye and you know, you hmm. see it from far away and, yeah. you know, you see this camera module and you think, okay, this is, you know, a big camera on the back. But then when you put it up under, you know, a microscope, you actually see all the little kind of almost like a um, kaleidoscope effect that a yeah. fly has yeah, in the eye. Yeah, I see that. And then you see this and you see all the tiny little camera sensors on the back, which it looks like it has five, Four. which is crazy. Oh, no, five. Yeah, you're right. I'm not, yeah, I'm not sure what that one on the right is. There's quite a few in there. So let's see. Uh, it's got another, it's got an IMX 758 and then a 516 as well. So it's just a lot of cameras on the back. I don't know if, uh, let's see. It does support wireless charging. Um, so there's just, there's a lot to this phone. Like we said, we don't really, you know, focus too much on international models, but for our international listeners, uh, if you guys are looking into the Honor Magic 5, definitely want to uh, keep on your list. So, Yeah, that's actually a pretty cool form right there. Very unique design. Um, that's pretty incredible right there. Those international phones, they tend to have that kind of... Um, yeah, they have that out-of-place design that you don't really see from yeah. the U.S. models. Yeah, they really do. So we'll have to see what other ones there are out there that just, you know, really bring your attention. Yeah, a lot of which I, I welcome for sure. So. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and then moving along here, we've got Apple Insider uh, talking about Apple's iOS 16.2 release in December, and their 16.3 possibly in February. Um, this is actually most likely, 16.3 is most likely going to be in March, actually. Um, could I mean, it could be February, but I would actually assume that's probably going to be with those, uh, the MacBook and the Mac Mini that we talked about that was pushed up to March. Um, I'm going to actually speculate right now that they're going to push it to March just because you want to have all those things kind of, 
you know, all tied together the same release date. Um, but that 16.2 is going to be released in mid-December, um, as well as watchOS uh, 9.2 and tvOS 16.2 and also iPad OS 16.2. Um, so, yeah, that's some information right there. Yep, onto the watch GT3 SE, which is supposed to be more of a, a cheaper version of the GT3 model, except this one is supposed to get up to two weeks of battery life. Wow. That's quite a bit for just a basic watch. The only one I can think of uh, that at least comes close to that was the uh, OnePlus that we mentioned, which is not international, only ships to India, I think it was. But anyway, um, yeah, that's two, that's two weeks. That's good. I would also like to mention that name is quite uh, long. <laughs> I feel like we got a bit to the elaborate, point. Yeah, I feel like we got to the point in modern tech era where these names are starting to get a little more cumbersome. I guess you could say. I mean, I understand keeping them in certain categories and everything like that, but it's just, I don't know. I don't I'm think they about think that, ahead. But... Yeah, no. They're, they're like, let's let's name this a GT3, and then you know they don't think about the fact they're going to have like an SE later on. So, or it doesn't have to be a long name. It could just be a short, simple name like Folio. <laughs> Yes, Fulio. Um But yeah, no, that's in two any, weeks. That's good. Yeah, in any case, um, they're not really sure about whether this will launch in the U.S. or even North America in general. But um, we did see it on Shopee, uh, which sells for four million four hundred ninety thousand Vietnamese dollars or whatever, uh, which that translates to about one hundred eighty dollars U.S. <laughs> Uh, a little bit easier to <laughs> inflation side there, I guess. <laughs> I <don't know. laughs> Some, something like that. Yeah, for sure. Man. Uh, but yeah, this is supposed to pack a 1.43 inch AMOLED display with a resolution of 466 by 466. That's housed inside a 46 millimeter case. Um, weight hmm. is about 35.6 grams. Uh, comes in graphite black and then wilderness green. Okay. Um, and it has about the same button layout as the GT3 as well. Uh, I'm sorry, that just sounds like a car. <laughs> I know but, it does. Um, the McLaren. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it has a digital crown and then a physical button, um, both on its right hand side. So, um, but yeah, it has a lot there. Hmm. And again, like I said, it has that uh, two week battery life. So it's good to good to see some more watches out there that kind of hone in on the battery side of things. Yeah, absolutely. We've talked a lot about how. Uh, you know, how Apple themselves with the Ultra um, are really pushing that battery life for that 60 hours. But, you know, for these for these guys to go ahead and release a two-week battery life is just outstanding. So we'll have to see how these other competitors play out um, with battery life as well. Uh, and then uh, speaking of Apple, actually, we've got 9to5Back mentioning that Apple is going to, or actually they want to change the Hey Siri uh, trigger to command to just Siri. That's it. Um, and they, it's expected to hopefully come in 2024. Um, but that's just, um, from Mark Gurman saying that on Bloomberg. Uh, now I will, I will quote this right here. Um, cause I kind of do want to bring this into discussion, uh, quote, Apple's mission to change series wake phrase from Hey Siri to just Siri shouldn't come as a huge surprise. Doing so would match what's offered by Amazon, where you simply have to say Alexa to trigger the assistant, not Hey Alexa. It would also give Apple a leg up on Google where the wake phrase is Hey Google or OK Google. But as today's report says, this isn't a small undertaking. 
And there's a lot of training and behind-the-scenes work that goes into a change like this. For Apple, this is especially true as Siri is already prone to a number of false positives, particularly with activations of Siri on the HomePod. Uh, this is an issue that I actually uh, come across not often, but, you know, sometimes here and there where I'll say a word and my phone thinks I'm talking to Siri when I'm actually not. And this kind of gets annoying to an extent. Um, so I, here's here's my take. Apple needs to first resolve this issue, obviously, and then go ahead and work on just getting rid of the phrase, hey, out of that. Yeah, I'm not really sure if that would necessarily fix anything. Um, when I first read that article, I kind of had a bit of a hes- hesitancy to see that feature go through just because hmm. I feel like, hey, Siri, like you say, is already activated you know, casually. But to take the hey away, I think that would change things even worse and possibly make it even easier for Siri to be activated. Um, and I'm not really sure. Maybe that's why Google is still keeping the okay and hmm. hey there. Yeah. Um, but that, that's just my take on it. I don't necessarily know if this is a, a good thing or maybe, you know, if it's just a lateral move. It's It's hard to say. Okay, so then at that point, I would say make it an option. Make it a switch for users where they can turn it off so that way they can keep Hey Siri if they want that phrase um, to still be there. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I think it would be great to have an option there just so that way you can kind of customize what is... Because I think even Alexa has that where you can go into the settings and you can change it to be like the keyword to be computer or something specific. Yeah. Um, But I don't necessarily know if Apple is down to that type of customization so that's true well i mean going off of that as well and i just thought of this honestly it would be great for apple and yeah i agree with you to an extent i think they don't do these types of things i mean they had they have made options for people before like with the um turning on battery percentage and whatnot but anyway um i think it would be cool if apple actually made a custom sort of phrase that you could make just like how you're mentioning with alexa um just to like uh, say you know hey yeah like hey computer or hey phone or hey dummy whatever i or don't know iphone or something yeah <laughs> hey, iphone I mean, something like it, that yeah and and i think the other thing that that may lend maybe a bit of hope is the fact that you can customize you know your siri voice they do have quite a few voices yes. in there too yep. so it's hard to say whether or not they'll give you that option i just i'm just personally skeptical about the fact that they're going to remove it in general so um, but with that being said, we will actually stay on topic with Apple. And this one is in relation to the Watch Ultra. So this was uh, on a post from Reddit where a pilot tested out the altimeter on the Watch Ultra and then compared it to the airplane's data. And the results were actually surprisingly close. So it's pretty crazy to see that. Uh, I hmm. remember personally, I had my, this is back when I had my Series 6. I was on a flight down to Texas, and I was testing out my altimeter on the Series 6, and it, was, it wasn't was exactly all that accurate, but I feel like they've definitely improved. Uh, we've talked about, you've talked about that, you know, in past episodes where they yeah. improved the GPS and stuff like that, and I, I think that's uh, definitely reflected in how these results have been with this pilot. So, You know, seeing these kinds of results now is really making me think that and maybe this isn't necessarily true, but I feel like Apple's pushing more of advancement of technology in regard to um, professional, I would say 
professional technologies like flying, like diving, all that kind of stuff. Um, those professions have, I feel like those that Apple's pushing that, which I don't necessarily think that's a bad idea, mainly because the phone is something that you have on you day in and day out. And to have those kind of modulations there is actually a good thing. But I also think that, and this is something that we've mentioned a lot, is Apple always keeps falling behind pushing forward and advancing same way that Google does, the same way that Samsung does, same way that all of these other phone companies just keep pushing forward and forward um, beyond what they're able to do. We just talked about how Google, Pixel, they're they're taking what people have said, hey, this we have. there's another phone right here that has a better camera, and Pixel's like, okay, we're going to make this even better um, You know, by releasing Ultra, by improving the camera they already have in the 7 Pro and 7. Uh, I mean, these are the things that I feel like Apple really needs to look on but aside from that fact, at least they are trying to improve your day-to-day -day use on certain things, make them kind of the similar standard you'd have um, for a lot of professional uses. So Yeah, I think the only thing, last thing I'll say on this before we move on to the next thing is just the fact that uh, it's the perspective of what do you want. Do you want a phone that has more innovation or do you want the simplicity of knowing that your everyday features are just going to work? Yes. And I don't say that to criticize Google or Samsung or whoever. It's because I, I, I've, I've used this Pixel 7 Pro and I, I like it a lot and a lot of things work. There are just some minor, you know, settings and, you know, just day-to-day -day things that I use that I'm like, oh, wow, I've, I've never experienced this on my, you know, iPhone, but it's just happening. You'd expect this to be fixed. Right. So, it's it's just one of those things where they innovate too far and then they don't focus on the minimal things that really should be taken care of from the beginning. So yeah, absolutely. Hopefully, Apple makes more strides on this kind of stuff. But uh, yep. yeah, it's pretty cool right there. Uh, and then we got another. Some, we got more information uh, about Apple uh, from Android Authority, and this is pretty interesting here. It says the uh, DMA could force Apple to change how iMessage and other services operate. We saw how recently um, the EU basically forced Apple's hand and made them switch to USB-C, and most likely, well, most definitely, they're going to be switching next year. Um, but now yeah. they are pushing for Apple to go full on to RCS, which basically means that. Um, all other devices like Google and Samsung are able to sort of connect with one another, have it sort of a fair game um, where messages and all this kind of other stuff um, is almost on the same level. Uh, they interoperate. The, the, yes, they interoperate, and the, the interaction between them is very similar. To yeah. me, this is it's a gray area because on one hand I'm like, okay, great. This is something that I've been really waiting for. I have always wanted for there to be the same correlation between these companies in regards yes. to their messaging system. Yeah. On the for other sure. hand, Apple is the top security corporation. There is, I, I am very much on the fence about this because I don't want to lose out on Apple security because what happens is, is you have, a third party that takes that stuff and they could do with your privacy how they see fit in, in a sense. Where does that encryption go? What happens to that information is what I'm curious yeah. about. Yeah, you lose that on the end-to-end -end encryption from Apple and that's something really to kind of be concerned about. Um, 
like you, I'm really I would I, I love RCS and I like how mm-hmm. it works. The it's just challenging to see where that privacy is going to take place or if there will be any at all. Um, and I think even along with that, with the DMA, um, it's also going to affect the app store. So they're going to try to make it where they can sideload apps. And I think we've hit on this in past episodes, whether or not they were uh, pre episode one or not. But, um, hmm. I think it's, it's, it's all how it's going to be implemented. Um, yes. I think the iMessage and the RCS is probably more of a major concern because sideloading apps isn't really that big of a deal. No. It depends on the user mm-hmm. um, and the user's discretion of saying, okay, I'm going to let this app read certain you know levels of data in my iPhone. Right. When it comes down to messaging, that's all you have. Uh, exactly. iMessage was the last one that really had the, you know, great level of privacy. And now, you know, this, we're looking at a possibility that that would no longer be the case. So we're, this is one of the things where, where we will have to wait and see how they're going to do this. But as of now, this is what we're looking at from the EU. Uh, I think USB-C was a great idea. Yes. I'm not entirely sure about this one. This is, this is a Mm-mm. bit of a head scratcher in some cases. So... But we'll keep you updated on this just to see what comes through uh, with that. With that being said, though, we will actually move on to uh, deals real quick before we get back into some more rumors and updates. Um, The Apple Watch Series 8, uh, this is for the LTE discount only, um, which I guess is pretty impressive considering that's one of their higher-priced mid-tier models is the LTE. Um, This is $110 off. So you get this one for three eighty nine, uh, which is just above twenty percent off. And I don't think doesn't look like the blue color is included. So you get midnight, starlight, and product red are available for that discount. But I guess blue wasn't. I guess it was too premium. So um, and then Power Beats. So these are the Power Beats Pros. You get seventy dollars off for one hundred and eighty. I felt like that hmm. was a decent price. Uh, I've actually tried those out before. They have the kind of the hook around the ear. Uh, yeah. Like aggressive yep. fitness. Yep. Mm-hmm. And uh, good thing there is there's no stipulations. Those are for all colors, at least from what I saw. And then the Beats, good. again, these are the Studio 3s. Uh, this one is the over-ear headphones, um, kind of like the QC235s, my XM4, WXM4s. Uh, this one is $200 off, so you get it for 150 so Good. that's over 50% savings right there. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then before I move on to the last discount, I did want to let you guys know out there, you listeners, if you are looking to purchase a Pixel 7 or 7 Pro, uh, hold off. This discount isn't active right now, but it will be for Black Friday. So we want to give you guys a heads up. Pixel 7, originally $599 or I guess $600, will drop down to $500. And then the Pixel 7 Pro, $900, will drop down to $750. So, uh, not sure if you guys got the memo, but it, when it comes to the pixels, if you're interested in kind of like pre-ordering or getting it when, right when it releases, um, it's probably better to wait about a month or so. And that's when you'll see the black Friday deals and you'll be able to save on some, some green there. And then the last deals here, I'm not really going to go into details on this one just because there's like five models and these are all for the MacBook pros. Um, oh, okay. And these are the 
yeah, these are the 2021 models. They all have the M1s in them. Um, let's see, there's four that have the M1 Pro, and then the, the last one has the M1 Max. Um, but I'll kind of just get generalize it for you so you can get anywhere between 512 to 1 terabytes that qualify for these discounts. And it ranges anywhere between 300 to $500 off, which is a decent amount when you're considering you're spending over two grand. In yeah, cases. absolutely. So, which I guess if you want to look at it from a percentage standpoint, it's anywhere between 11 to 20%. So not amazing, amazing, but when it comes to Apple, I guess any discount is technically worth it, worthwhile. <laughs> that is true. It's all yep. that overpriced, I guess. Well, not overpriced, but just a lot of money you're packing into those devices. So that is good that you're getting a discount there. Yeah, but there's a lot of discounts. Uh, we're heading into the holiday season, so... This is right. not going to be like every episode, but um, with that being said, that. yeah, we can definitely kind of expect that. With that being said, um, if you do have any intentions on gifting a an iPhone 14 Pro or Pro Max to someone f- this holiday, um, be warned that you may want to order them right now or at least soon. Uh, this is per an article from 9to5Mac sourcing a statement from Apple that due to a factory um, running at a much lower capacity, productions for the 14 Pro and Pro Max have drastically dropped, and you should probably expect some delays from warehouse to home as far as ETA arrivals. Um, I checked Apple's website, and the, the estimated dates for the 14 and 14 Pro Max, and this is, I actually took the time, I went through all the colors, and I checked all the storage tiers, and they are all December 8th, as of this recording, December 8th to December 14th. And those dates will probably continue to be pushed out the longer you wait. Mm. So that's just something to keep in mind. Obviously, this doesn't affect any, you know, retail stores or carriers. Whatever's already in stock in those stores is available. Uh, but if you're ordering it from Apple, just keep in mind that there will be a delay. And a lot of that uh, is just due to COVID. That's why that uh, factory in, yeah, I'm going to butcher this name, but it's in Shenzhou, China. So... And again, like I said, that's mostly due to the COVID-19 restrictions. So Yeah, no, that's that's quite a bit of deals. And again, it is because we're getting close to the holidays with Black Friday and everything like that. So yeah, just keep that in mind that uh, um, we don't do those deals all the time. But uh, yeah, um, moving on, though, we have some information here. This is kind of going along with the deals in a sense. Uh, but Steam is making um, their best-selling game at least of this year, as far as I'm aware, 100% free to own, and that's through this November, and it's Warhammer Verminitide 2. Um, I've actually never played this game. I don't even think you've played this game, GD, have you? No, I have not. <laughs> okay. Uh, I assume it's probably like an RPG. It looks like an RPG-type game, kind of like uh, Skyrim or Scorn that was just recently um, released as well. Um, so, yeah, keep an eye on that. Uh, it's, it was $30. Obviously, now it's free. Uh, so, you know, get on that. It's got, um, 83% of 91,000 user reviews have been rated positive. Uh, so looks pretty cool. Uh, looks like a really good game right there. Uh, and alongside that, I actually wanted to mention, uh, another game, another great pastime, uh, Terraria. Uh, this is my, well, one of my top favorite games of all time, um, in 2020, they released uh, Journey's End. This was their last update uh, that they said. Relogic had said this, that this was the last update they were doing. Obviously, there were going to be patches and fixes to a lot of the bugs that would be in the game. Um, but we all assumed it was going to be over. But nope. 
Uh, I saw an article today um, through Facebook, actually, that Terraria will be updating in 2023 to 1.4.5. Uh, and this is actually in regards to a collaboration with Dead Cells. Um, and I actually don't know a whole about Dead Cells uh, or anything for that matter. Um, but this is interesting. So I guess it's not the journey's end. We still got a lot more to go here, apparently. Uh, this is kind of like Final Fantasy. <laughs> but so, yeah, that's uh, that's information for in the gaming realm, I guess. We really don't do it that often, but uh, that's what we got there. So, Yeah, we don't normally bring up uh, games on Steam or anything like that, but we felt like since it was a popular game, evidently, it would be good to uh, let you guys know you can get that and save some green there. Um, $30, not really super expensive, but hey. More money in your pocket. Um, so, but with that being said, we are actually going to move on to Sammy. Um, we've got some additional renders for the S23 sourced from Phone Arena. But the bigger news is in relation to the next-gen flagships from Samsung set to release in 2023. A tweet from Ice Universe will be that all models now ship with Qualcomm's flagship chipset. Uh, which in hmm. turn means that Samsung is giving the axe to their prized Exynos chipset, um, hmm. which I'm kind of excited about, not necessarily because it affects the U S market because we typically get the, um, Qualcomm service we, we have in recent years. Um, yeah, I'm just glad to know that everyone else can now get in on the Qualcomm chipsets as well, because honestly, you know, me, I'm not really a big fan of Exynos. I don't like the. Um, benchmark results, a lot of the errors and issues that people experience with those specific um, models. But it's good to hear that they're moving along from that. Uh, we, we did hear rumors about that in the past that they might return to Exynos or some version of that um, to stay on a custom silicon, just as Apple and now Google is doing. But for now, it's all on Qualcomm. Oh, that's good. But... Uh, to stay on topic, though, Samsung did weigh in on foldables, Apple's foldables. Hmm. Uh, in an article over at 9to5Mac, Samsung had a meeting with their investors where they discussed market share growth, and among that, which they mentioned, they expect to have the competition increase. Uh, they notioned the possibility that they expect Apple to launch their first foldable in 2024. Wow which is a lot sooner than the timeline that we were expecting. We were oh, thinking yeah. 2025, 26 maybe, somewhere yeah. in there. 2024 is extremely soon. Um, in the meeting, they also mentioned that Sammy expects foldables to increase in popularity by 80% come 2025. Um, for good reason. For good reason, obviously, yes. Uh, yeah. In fact, Currently, 70% of the foldables out there in consumers' ownership is shared between the Z Fold and Z Flip. 70%. Makes sense. Um, it does make sense. I'm I'm a real uh, enthusiast when it comes to foldables. I love what they can do. I you know love the compact design. I like how the fold can actually expand into almost a mini tablet. So really good to see that they're pushing that. I, I really appreciate the fact that Samsung is the one that's spearheading this because we needed something to change. We needed something to shake things up. And I think that foldables are really, I wouldn't say that they're the number one in the future, but I say that they kind of give the challenge to your typical average candy bar phone. Yeah, absolutely. Like I said, for good reason, uh, they've updated these folds and the flips very well. And especially this last one, 
Um, I think I mentioned this a few episodes. I have a coworker that has a flip and I mean, he loves it. I really want the flip, but I haven't gotten a chance to get that. And I probably won't for a little while. Um, but I am astounded with these uh, devices. And um, honestly, I think Samsung really deserves this win for sure. Um, oh yeah. But uh, we'll have, we'll, yeah, we'll see how that works with uh, Apple. I, I am actually pr- surprised because we did mention uh, quite a few episodes ago that Apple was going to be doing this, but yeah, we did not expect it to be that early in 2024. Goodness. Uh, a lot of speculation on how that might look as well. I'm curious um, what they'll be adding and taking away. It's likely that Apple will not make the iPhone their first foldable. I believe we mentioned this in the past, but rather to test the waters with a maybe a mid-sized tablet or a laptop hybrid. Um, but with that said, researchers anticipate that the foldable model from Apple could see a price tag as high as $2,500. I know I shouldn't be surprised. Yet I am. And yet I am. That is like uh, the... That is like the what would you call it the um, the motto for Apple. I know I shouldn't be surprised, but I am. And that is not because of the innovation. <laughs> no, it's it's more of like a bad term. Yes, but yeah, I that price is just sad. <laughs> I, I don't. I'm hoping that this is going to be another one of those Apple Watch Ultras where it was supposed to be. We're expecting thousand, and it was only eight hundred. I know. Yeah, it's only one of those. We got you moments. But $2,500 is, in my opinion, I don't think there's any other way to explain it except to say it's ridiculous. It's Especially considering for two reasons. First of all, if it is going to be for the iPad, I would assume it would be for maybe like a base. I don't think they do it for the Pro. I think it would be for them to at least try and see how it's going to go. And the second thing is it's their first one. Why in the world would you make that more expensive than any ipad lineup at all and the other thing is is you're not only okay so we're talking about foldables here and i I know we're taking a little bit more time on this one but but here's here's the thing you're going to introduce a foldable and you know riley you made this point you're going to overstep the price of not only the z flip not only the z fold but the surface duo Yes. All three of those, and yeah. you're gonna, you're gonna, you're, gonna, you're, and this is just a rumor. We, we can't say for sure what this is going to be, um, but twenty five hundred dollars as an expectation is absolutely ludicrous, unnecessary. Yes, um, I'm excited to see what they will do with this foldable. Yes. I've wanted Apple to do foldables. Um, I think I would kind of hope that it is kind of on the same level as kind of the Surface Duo. I think the z fold is a little bit smaller if i remember correctly than the surface Duo. yes it is yeah so that's kind of what i'm thinking kind of like a uh an ipad mini foldable yeah that's kind of what i would 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 say but if if that ipad mini foldable is going to be twenty five hundred dollars or even in the range of that um i might test it i won't keep it (laughs) There's yeah. no way I'm dropping no. 2500 on a small device like that just to Mm-mm. say, I have an Apple foldable. Um, <laughs> so, but with that being said, I, I just, it's, it's, it's a hard thing to kind of grasp, but um, 
it's it's one of those moments where I have to give it to Samsung on that one because they really they really are the champion of the foldable in my opinion. So oh yeah, absolutely for sure. But um, that is gonna actually wrap it up for today's episode. We hope you guys have enjoyed. If you did, make sure you leave a like and make sure to follow for future notifications. And um, we will catch you guys in the next one. This is JD and Riley signing off. Peace out.